Hello, and welcome to our continuing series of Better Business Interviews. Better businesses are those that are driven by purpose to use business as a force for good, for positive change, for people and planet. Throughout this series, we are chatting with key people in these organisations and finding out why they do what they do. This week, I have been joined by Jeff Seckendorf from Coach Me Strong. Coach Me Strong is the latest of Jeff's business ventures, having been born out of a COVID-19 need, but we'll get on to that in a moment. Jeff Seckendorf is a teacher slash trainer slash coach at the core, and I don't mean the muscle. He rose out of the entertainment industry where he taught, produced and directed commercials, feature films, TV, movies and music videos. Then focusing on flexing the training muscle, Sorry for all the puns, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good for that. That's okay. (laughs) He started UTD Scuba Diving, uh, a global scuba training and certification agency. And now alongside that, Jeff uses his training cycle model to address an urgent need which arose during the pandemic. So welcome to the show from sunny San Diego. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, well, it's a bit... (laughs) Cold we, here. we were just talking about that <laughs> we're both in summer and it's not fair that you you just have this nice constant temperature on sunny days well you know we i chose it so there you go <laughs> so i mean I, I, having done my little bit of research i always kind of have that elephant in the room question jeff that i like to ask uh, our guests and and for you and your filmmaking background i'm intrigued to, to ask uh, is hollywood as hollywood we think Hollywood is 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 it as Hollywood is it as portrayed? Do our Brits got the wrong feeling? I don't know if anybody has the wrong feeling. You know, I did thirty five years as a director of photography on feature films and TV movies, and then I was a director cameraman on commercials. And um, you know, when they call it the film industry, I think the key word there is industry, right? It's a business. It is a business, and um, you know what we see are you know the stars the fame and all of that yeah but you know the underlayment of that is millions of people who make movies just like millions of people build houses and millions of people you know work every day to build cars and stuff and things like that so it's an industry first um you know and and i had a great time in the film industry while i was in it while i was working but of course for any freelancer or any gig worker, yeah, um, you know, my deal was it. I spent, you know, I don't know, sixty or seventy percent of my time looking for work, and about thirty percent of my time working. The working was super fun, um, but I was never an accomplished self marketer. Ah, okay. And in retrospect, I've learned that about myself. But um, I think that was my downfall in the film industry. Um, but and I but had a great were- career, but. But it was just, you know, it's a marketing project for yourself if you're a freelance film worker. I guess so. But you, you seem to have been a, a trainer from the very start. You seem to have been at your, your heart of your, your, your career anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of serendipity in my career. But one of the things was part of the idea of being a freelancer is you have blocks of time. Yeah. And 
you know, I'm a, I get bored, right? So I had to fill them. So, you know, I took a course at a place called the Maine Photographic Workshops. It's now the Maine Media Workshops. And that led to assisting on a course and that led to 24 years teaching at the Rockport College and the Maine Media Workshops. And so I taught every aspect of filmmaking, mostly focused on the cinematography and the visual storytelling part. But I really, you know, that was two and a half decades of that. I really, I wrote a lot of curriculum. I ran all these different courses. I really learned how, you know, to answer questions. I kind of kind of got my teaching thing organized in the film industry. Now, the way that of course happened is I was pretty high level as a director of photography. So I had the content. Yeah. What I didn't have was the methodology to present it in a way that people would retain. And that's what I've really spent these last decades figuring out is not only how to present my own content to people, but train other people to present their content in a way that um, does what education is supposed to do, right? Education is classically defined as creating a change in behavior in your students. And that's the first level. The second level of education is, is retention. Can you get that change to stick? So yeah. that's kind of the key to me and training is that I've developed over the years, this sort of process of training instructors. And I've done it in the film industry and I've done it in flying and I've done it in scuba and, um, and, I, and I do it in corporate. Yeah, and, and uh, you on to explain to our listeners, you, Coach Me Strong is what I've introduced you as, but that's not your only venture. You've actually grown up with a number of ventures. You've got Training Cycle, I think, which you, you referred yep. to as kind of your, your framework baseline. Um, and then I mentioned UTD scuba diving. Now, how, how did how did that happen? And, and yeah. I think when we talked previously, you mentioned you've done more than one model, and, and that was an interesting experience as well. Yeah, I had a producing partner in the film business who said to me once that, you know, I spent 15 years trying to get into the film industry and then 15 years trying to get out. <laughs> and so during that second 15 years trying to get out, I was just looking for something really fun to do that had a, um, had a basis in education. And I didn't really care what it was. I was just looking for something that it appealed to me. And I was a scuba instructor and I loved to dive. And, you know, a guy I had taken some courses with, you know, basically make a super long story really short, um, <laughs> decided to start a training agency. And I joined him as a co-founder of UTD Scuba Diving, Unified Team Diving back then. And we started this training agency and he brought the scuba intellectual property. I brought a lot of the training methodology and um, together we built this sort of global brand that's been running since 2008 yeah, and still going strong. And I, I bought him out um, about a year and a half ago. And so I'm running it solely now. And it's a, an incredibly, incredible project, right? We have instructors all over the world. We train people at a very high level. We're a boutique agency. Um, and it really feeds my need to be an educator on a global scale. So, so it, 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 it was, it was random that it was scuba. I mean, it could have been, you know, car, construction or <laughs> I, I don't know rocket making or it wouldn't have mattered what the content was I just wanted something that had an educational bent to it 
So do you believe you could teach or coach or, and I must admit, I, the, the, you're an instructor and you're a coach and you're a trainer, but it is, it is a, one of those words which is very interchangeable, isn't yeah. it? Um, but it, it, what makes a good educator? What, 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 why could you teach anything? I could teach anything that I have the intellectual property for. Okay. Explain but, that. Yeah. So the, un, as you mentioned, the underlayment of all this is a company I own called the training cycle, which basically trains corporate educators. Yeah. And, and the model there is that we're not teaching anybody their own content. We're teaching how to present that content in a way that creates a change in behavior in your students and creates retention. So can I teach anything? Yeah. Can I write curriculum about anything? Yeah, but I need the intellectual property. We call the training cycle IP independent or IP agnostic, okay. right? I don't care what, I, I mean, I can come into your business and train your trainers and it doesn't matter wit what they teach. Um, I mean, occasionally I help people put their content into curriculum format, but you know, if you follow this, this program I've built in the training cycle, I don't need to do that, you know, because right. it's got, you know, A, B, C, and D, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to present your content examples and exercises, your content example and exercises. And, um, you know, uh, just very briefly, what we find is when someone is good at their content, but not great at presenting it, when it comes time to teaching, particularly when they're teaching teachers, they stop teaching how to teach something and they start teaching the something. Right. Does that make sense? So they revert back to what they know without yes. regard for how to present it. And okay. that's, that's the, that's what I stop. Right. All that's right. Where I redirect people. Okay. Now you're, you're teaching stuff. You're not teaching how to teach it. So let's revert back to how to teach it. And then later you can put your stuff on top of it and just present it to the people who need to know it. So technique over topic sort of thing is the. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what the content is. Yeah. I mean, I care about the content because I, I learn all sorts of crazy, interesting things when I do this project, <laughs> you know, cause I've gone to, to crazy, you know, software people and stuff like that. But, but really, so, so when I look at scuba, it was great that it was scuba because I love to dive and, you know, I love okay. the community we've built and all, but it was an education project. When I look at coach me strong, which we'll get to in a few minutes, it's yes. kind of an education project more than it is. Although again, it's an industry that I'm obsessed about, you know? So, so back to your original question, can anybody teach? Yes. Teaching is not an art. It's a craft. There's no natural teacher in the world that doesn't wow. exist. That's a misnomer. What there are are passionate people, who know their content, who have been trained to deliver it in a particular way. But there are no natural teachers. People don't just magically stand up and present material that, that creates this change in behavior and retention. It doesn't, it's just impossible. But you don't want to take some guy who hates their job, who's good at, who knows the content and make him a teacher because not going to happen. They'd hate that as well. They'd hate that as they'd hate their students too. So, uh, as I said, we, we, yeah, <laughs> nice way to start a relationship, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, you met, you, you've had these these various. Uh, we, we've mentioned Coach Me Strong um, uh, by by name, but not explained what it is yet. Um, but what you said to me, and when we introduced at the very very beginning, when we first uh, talked to each other, you, you said that the. Um, you built up this model, the, the, the scuba diving and the other 
business opportunities you've done it you've done in one model but the coach me strong was done slightly differently so perhaps we could introduce coach me strong whilst discussing how the two different types of models that you um yeah that was a conversation we had earlier about how to or why people start businesses yeah so we can come back to that but so coach me strong uh, i didn't ever expect to do this or plan on doing this but I guess now we can mention this conversation yeah, we had earlier, cool. which is I think there are two reasons to start a company. One yeah. is you're super passionate about something. You have an idea. You think it's the best idea in the world, and you're willing to start the company and then ram that idea down the throats of, of potential clients who may or may not care or want or Share it. your appeal. Yeah. yeah, or share your passion. <laughs> so that's model A. Model B is you find a niche and you fill it. Yeah. B is not always successful, and if it is, it's super hard. And that was my model with the scuba company. We had a new idea for training in scuba diving. It's a boutique agency, as I said, and we rammed our idea down the throats of people and it's successful, but it's not lighting the world on fire. Coach Me Strong is a coaching program for primarily people with Parkinson's disease and other neurological challenges. Yeah. When the pandemic started, uh, gyms, training programs, exercise programs all shut down. If you have Parkinson's disease, the only known therapy that actually can slow the progression of the disease is exercise. The medication and all the other stuff they do medically manages symptoms, but it's a progressive neurological disease. Exercise stimulates the loss of the dopamine, or the, the, the remaining dopamine neurons in your body and actually slows the progression. So people with Parkinson's particularly have to exercise. You know, we tell our, our Parkinson's clients that, you know, they basically became professional athletes when they got Parkinson's disease. You know, if you don't exercise, the disease gets worse. It's super clear. It's scientifically based. It's research based. It's not, we're not making this up. So um, I do a lot of work for the Parkinson's Association. It's just kind of the, the organization I've chosen is where I'm going to put my community energy. Yeah. And uh, I was in a board meeting with the local Parkinson's Association here in San Diego. And one of the doctors said their patients were falling apart because their programs closed. And now they don't know how to exercise because they were going to Zumba and dance and yoga and Pilates and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, look, I've got a coaching model that I built in UTD scuba diving, you know, to train people in, in this long-term coaching system. I'm, I'm an athlete, right? I'm a master's athlete. I race a bike on the track at the national level. And um, uh, so, and I've been a coached athlete and endurance athlete for a long, long time. So I have that piece of it. And, it, and I just brought this up and I said, look, I can put these two things together and make a specific exercise coaching program for people with Parkinson's fast. And they were all like, just do it. So within six weeks, um, my co-founder and I, we had a company running, we had a website up, we had a, a team of coaches, and we had clients coming in, the, the clients with Parkinson's or other neurological stuff like MS or traumatic brain injury or something. They come in, we assign them to a coach, we give them a little software package that allows them to see their calendar and talk to their coach every day. And the coach sets up daily exercises based on their very specific situation. And uh, so every day they grab their phone and they, or their computer and they open up their calendar and they see, all right, today I'm doing, you know, a 30 minute walk, a 20 minute bike ride, some strength training, some Pilates and some stretching, or I'm doing these balance and mobility exercises or these handwriting exercises or speech exercises. Our, our 
coaches are also physical therapists and exercise physiologists, people who've worked with Parkinson's and other neurological stuff for a long time. So we found a niche and filled it and it was like instantly successful. Uh, clients came in, coaches stepped up. We took the, the coaches and we trained them pretty quickly on how to do structured exercise programming. Okay. Which is a, a very short leap from, for people who are exercise physiologists and physical therapists and stuff like that. We just showed them how to put a program together that includes enough recovery and stuff like that. And there you go, you know, business so, model too. find a niche and fill it. Uh, yeah. So the, 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 it sounds like a great niche to me. And it's the reason I wanted to get you on the show because we're, we're, we're kind of intrigued as to uh, people are a part of that all important triangle of, of planet people and pro prosperity. Um, and, uh, and obviously we have so many businesses focus on the profit, perhaps not so much on the people. And definitely we've had struggles with people focusing on the planet. Um, so yeah, the, the, the people subject really appealed to me is to, uh, uh, and Parkinson's is, uh, is a great example because I've got a family member, my brother, who was diagnosed with Parkinson's, can't remember when, probably five years ago now, um, ambled into his into his 60s and then got diagnosed. And I never really thought about it. You know, it's, it's not a disease that had crossed my bowels uh, before. But you mentioned dopamine. What, what, why is Parkinson's such a specific niche? Why, why has it got a, such a specific niche? Is it just because it, it exercise is the only route? To, to slowing it down? Exercise right now is the only therapy that, I think I said this right, that we know that slows progression. Right. Medication and other, you know, deep brain stimulators and all this other stuff manage symptoms. So they, they kind of suppress the, the, the issue at hand. Particularly the, 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 the levels are dropping off. Yeah, particularly the obvious symptoms of tremor and... Uh, dyskinesia and freezing of gait and all these other symptoms of Parkinson's but long-term exercise for some reason and oddly very specifically the bicycle um, is a oh. really really important piece of managing Parkinson's disease so uh, you know when Parkinson's first was discovered people were told to stay in bed and they were dead in three years and oh. now here we are decades and decades later and people are told to go out and exercise as much as they possibly can manage. Uh, you know, and now Parkinson's is not a life shortener. You know, I mean, you yeah. can live a very long and fruitful life with Parkinson's disease, managing symptoms with medication and managing progression with exercise. So, uh, you know, we, we fill that need for people and, you know, we market a lot to movement disorder doctors and our our sort of tagline for that is you tell your patients they have to exercise but we tell yeah. them how because if we go to somebody who's never exercised regularly and we say okay bang you've got parkinson's disease you have to go exercise every day well they go for a 20 minute walk but it's not enough and it's not structured and it doesn't meet the whole body and it doesn't help, you know, strength and mobility and aerobic and anaerobic and, and balance and flexibility and all of the other things that are important to creating a, a rounded, full rounded exercise program.
Yeah, and obviously you speak with considerable confidence and gravitas with regards to you know what should be in a good all-round program says the guy who'd probably just go for a long walk for for his exercise and not not that that full extent of everything um but is that is that something that you have to address with people when they first join your programs is is what kind of exercise that they they should have adopted perhaps stretching them into areas that they previously have shied away from because they never fancy getting into a Pilates group or getting on a bike? You know, we start with what they like. We start okay. with what our clients like. You know, we have a big, long intake form. And, you know, do you have gym equipment at home? Do you like to bike? Do you like to hike? Do you like to run? Do you like to sit on the couch? What do you like to do? And from that, we develop the program. You know, if someone says, man, I just do not like cycling. It's like, okay, well, you're not going to get cycling. No. You know, and then we may slowly drag you toward it, you know, if it seems appropriate, <laughs> but we want people to be successful, especially at the get go, especially yeah. at the beginning. So we give, we design exercise programming around, it starts around what you like. Now, it's gotten a little bit easier, at least in California, things are opening up, right? So there are programs starting, gyms are starting, um, you know, community programs are starting it makes it easier for us because we can program that stuff in, but you know, we designed the program around being locked in your house. So, you know, the, the relaxing yeah. of restrictions is actually making it easier for us and easier for our clients. They're not leaving because they can now go to a dance class. You know, they're seeing the value in staying in because we program the dance class, you know, yeah. next to a hard day of weights, next to a recovery day, next to a day on the butt. So we, we build a structured program for them. So it's been really good um in that in that vein do you have a, a trouble with controlling people's enthusiasm they suddenly get a, perhaps they might get a, a burst of uh feel like they're improving or something and then they overrun themselves or is is that you always have to drag people back from going nuts uh we usually have the opposite problem of trying to prod people into actually doing going. something because many of these people have not exercised effectively in their life and the other thing that the coaches do is the coaches become you know what we call an accountability partner because in a parkinson's situation often there's a care partner a spouse or somebody and yeah. that that care partner always knows exercise is important lethargy <laughs> is a symptom of parkinson's so yeah. what happens is the care partner ends up nagging the person with Parkinson's to exercise. Mm -hmm. Like, did you walk? Did you do your weights? Did you, did you, did you, did you, did you? And what we try to set it up in a family that the, our coaches become that, that accountability, accountability partner. And we take on that nagging role. So sometimes ah. we call ourselves the anti-nagging company. One of the side effects, we didn't know what happens. And I think this is whenever you start a company quickly, you find benefits you didn't know were going to happen is that acceptance of accountability on the coach and off of the care partner has actually opened up space in people's relationships to mm -hmm. have a better relationship with their care partner because they've taken a big pile of nagging off the table. So that's been a really interesting benefit that we had no idea was going to happen. That is fascinating. And I think uh, maybe you've touched on a point there is that what the familiar external view of somebody with Parkinson's is, is a tremored hand or perhaps a knee or something like that. But that's not it, is it? That's not the whole gamut of no. things that can happen to people. And I think, well, you mentioned the apathy and I saw a 
depression and sleep behaviors and even down to a loss of sense of smell and, and other cognitive things, possibly on top of the tremors and the, and the um, slowness of movements, maybe, and stiffness. So, you know, it's, it's, we shouldn't just assume because people aren't tremoring that they haven't got Parkinson's, but <laughs> I suppose it's... Yeah, because if they're well managed, you know, by a, by a really solid movement disorder neurologist, you know... It, people go a long time suppressing symptoms with medication. And there are lots of people you can't tell have Parkinson's and a lot of people hide it for a very long time also, but um, you know, it is progressive. Eventually it's going to start to, to show it's kind of nasty head. Um, what we want to do is make that as far away as possible and get these, especially newly diagnosed people to really embrace a lifestyle of exercise. A lot of what we do in coach me strong is training people on how they're going to do their exercise program for the rest of their life. And some people leave after a number of months or whatever and say, thank you. Now I know how to do it. I don't need to pay you anymore. And we are like, great, awesome. Another success story. So yeah. either way it goes. So we've had people in from the beginning and we've had people who come in for two months, three months and say, thanks and, and step out. Uh, and I think it's important that, you know, we create lifestyle changes for people. Brilliant. So one of the things you, you mentioned there is that people don't kind of bring Parkinson's, their, their condition into the open. And, and it, it reminded me of a, a conversation I heard recently on the radio. It was an American actress that had hidden a, a, a cancer that she had while she was filming, funnily enough, or bizarrely enough, a, a film about somebody who who had cancer and hid it but is that i mean is it an american thing or do, are people scared to come forward with serious medical conditions or chronic medical conditions to to their employer and such like i don't know if i can answer that one no fair enough um russell i mean i, I don't really know i think everybody's different you know, I'm, I mean, I've had people call me up and say, hey, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's last week and my doctor said I should call you to learn how to exercise. You know, just puts it on yeah. the table. Um, and then we've had other people who, you know, are really busy keeping it under wraps. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I have to assume it's the culture, you know, in that situation, it's, it's likely the culture of the employer. Yeah, that well, interested. I think more than the person. I mean, if you if you work in a place that's open and welcoming and interested in helping you, and you've got an HR department that's supportive, I think there's less pressure to think, oh my God, you know, they're going to see me shake twice, and I'm going to take an extra five minutes to write an email, and they're going to fire me. So I, I think it's about the culture of of the employer more than it is about the individual. Okay. I mean, because obviously your, your your health systems and our health systems are somewhat different. Your laws, um, <laughs> a, little. <laughs> a, a little. I mean, obviously, um, again, we we discussed this in the preamble, wasn't it? That yeah, NHS is our it. NHS is a really great place to deal with an acute issue. You know, you you would you'd be seen in an accident emergency at no at no charge. Um, but when it comes to chronic conditions, long term conditions. The, the US way seems to be far, far more adaptive, far more mature, far more um, uh, useful. <laughs> well, that's, an, that's another podcast, right? Because we have a private insurance system in the US. So, yeah, you know, we can talk about that for, for 
<laughs> yeah, be for, forever enough, and, yeah. you know and it's it's i don't think it's you know it's probably not a good conversation to open that door on now yeah okay well, I'll, I'll close that polit particular political <laughs> we'll i mean you know look we have a vision of of europe that you know is either a or b right it's either great or it's terrifying yeah but those same people who think it's terrifying you know are paying for insurance out of their pocket so yeah and yeah, it, it yeah, I think that goes both ways, really. We look across yeah. the pond and go, yeah. wow, that seems expensive. The we're primarily a business podcast, and so we 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 always look at things uh, as to how businesses perhaps you mentioned um that your your primary introduction to a patient would be through a primary uh, healthcare professional who would say, Hey, you've got Parkinson's go speak to coach me strong do you think there's space in in the world for businesses or business leaders business uh, managers good hr departments to take a take a more active stance with their employees who might be suffering from parkinson's i think there's a place for businesses and and good hr departments to take a stance for their whole population of employees regardless of the underlying conditions yeah right i mean oh you know, getting getting people exercising, training, and condoning it makes places more productive. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did my bike, I did my bike ride early this morning, right? I have a big day of work in front of me, and you know, it's just like you know, grab the day, right? Yeah. I find that when I leave this till you know four or five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm dragging through the day. I can't wait to get on the bike, and then I'm like, wide awake. Let's have an evening. Right. So, um, you know, when I'm on long term projects and things like that, when I was making movies and stuff, you know, or, or, you know, on a big long scuba course or something, I would always try to get some training in either in the morning or midday. And it just made everything else better. So yeah, I think any company can benefit from this. And normally in the US, what happens is people you know, HR departments make a gym available or make something yeah. like that or bring in a yoga teacher. What we do for businesses is a little bit different because we offer this individual coaching program. So yeah. a business can come into Coach Me Strong and say, look, I want to do a contract for 30 people. Yeah. And we're like, awesome. We'll set you up, you know? And, you know, if people turn out to have underlying conditions that they want to talk about with us, we can give them to a specialist in that realm, right? Now, the obvious thing is if you have orthopedic stuff going on, right? If you're hips or your knees or something is, yeah. is not working right, you know, certainly then we have physical therapists who are coaches who do both. And they're the people. Our goal is never to get somebody injured. Right? Because of course, if you're injured, you're screwed twice, right? One is you're injured, and that's not good. And two is you can't train. And that's not yeah. good. Yeah. So we work really carefully not to let anybody get injured. So from a corporate standpoint, yeah, I mean, it becomes a really valuable corporate benefit for people who want to develop into a training program um even if it's for a matter of months to like i said to learn how to do it or it's somebody who just wants a coach for long term all of that is manageable and i think uh i have not found productivity studies and research no it must be out there on organized well, exercise planning i i think that, that there are examples of exceptional companies that you know, have exceptional plans I mean, obviously i've got my primary experiences in the uk where there are some ones which got these really good programs and support people through 
these range of life events that that might occur, including getting a chronic or a serious condition like like Parkinson's disease or any, any other neurological condition, um, and they and and they they immediately support those people and elongate their working life, and and make their working life more productive when they're whilst they're still with them. And I think that's something that we should be encouraging businesses to do, really. Right, but Russell, that's reactive, not proactive. Which is true enough, and and that's. I think where the gap is, right? It's it's reactive therapies is wonderful, right? You know, uh, you need you need psychological help, you need emotional support, you need something because of something happening. Great. I love a company that makes that available. Proactive, it's so much harder to put an ROI on proactive. Oh, it's almost impossible. How yeah. do you do it, right? How do you say, all right, here's a company, I've got 250 employees, I'm going to offer an exercise coaching program to anybody who wants it. How do you measure productivity? How are you, you know, it's a monthly fee, right? Yeah. And, and we're currently 149 US a month. How do you put an ROI on that $149? Yeah. You know, which is yeah. whatever it is in euros, 130 euros. So I don't know the answer to that. Um, and I don't know if there is an answer other than, you know, common sense says, well, if I get people training and exercising and more fit, first of all, they're going to be, take less sick days. Yeah. They're going to overall feel better. They're going to be more yeah. excited about showing up. We're going to make some space in the day for them to go train or go to a gym or put up a little exercise room someplace in a conference room. Yeah. yeah. You know, make, make, the, make it part of the culture. And then I think you've got something that is, um, it's still difficult to track well i mean there are some there are many studies about the, the well-being you know how looking after your physical fitness and uh, is great for your well-being and mental health and oh, any yes. range of is yeah. is evidence clear evidence that that can make a difference so i can understand how do you stick that. an roi on it that's my question i, I don't how do you know put on I, a return and return of investment i don't know the answer to that one no okay well we won't try and answer that one either then <laughs> Well, let's ask, let's ask your listeners, how do you stick an ROI on top of an exercise training program inside of a corporation? Yeah. Let us, let us know. Yeah. Can you find the stats? Can you give us some evidence? That'd be brilliant. Some evidence, right. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll post that question as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're San Diego, California, long way away from me. We're eight hours, eight hours difference. I think we are yeah, at eight the moment. Or nine, something like eight that. or nine hours. Um, can can I get your could I use your services here? Yeah, and we should talk to your your brother also. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're so it's an online based program. The coaches live everywhere, right? We have a couple of coaches in San Diego, ones in Texas, ones in Iowa, ones in Georgia, ones in Madrid, Spain. They're everywhere. It doesn't matter, right? We build out our program using an online third party online calendar. They communicate this. The guys who are working with our guy in Spain, just they just work out the time zone. It's no big deal. Um, you know, my personal coach using the same system, just in a different company for the bike, uh, lives in Colorado. You know, I see her if I'm lucky once a year, but, you know, I talk to her every day. So that communications thing is never a problem and region is not a problem. None of that. I mean, it's designed as a scalable global program. So, so, so your your clients get a 
a daily or very, very regular contact with a coach, with somebody to... Yeah, daily. Yeah, we ask for it. We want it. So at the end, so the way it works is there's a calendar. It's, it's uh, again, it's a third-party app. You can look it up. It's called Today's Plan. It's awesome. Yeah. And um, so everybody gets an account on this calendar. Every week, the coach loads the following week of workouts. So usually around Friday, they put up the next week. And then every day the client just opens up the calendar either on a browser or on a phone or an iPad. And there yeah. are the list of exercises for that day. And then they mark them off as completed. This is part of the accountability thing. Okay. So when you see them, they're red. Each little bar is red. Yeah. When you mark them off, they go green. So we have, we have some OCD clients who just love to see all the green. <laughs> we don't care what the driver is to make you, make you adhere. We just want no. you to adhere. Then at the end of the program of the day, the daily, they send their coach a note. It went great. It was hard. This one was tricky. I need more of this. I need less of this. And then the coach responds to that. So that's a, they're, they're talking to the coach daily. It's an interesting model because, um, because it works. You know, this mm. little bit of texting is all you really need to keep that relationship tight. Yeah. So the coaches get to know their clients. Um, sometimes they become friends with their clients. Sometimes they see their clients in person. But our model is that they work with them online. Whenever they need to pick up the phone and call them, they call them. Um, you know, during the initial assessment, they try to do, they, well, I, recently it's all been on internet. So a Zoom yeah. or yeah, some yeah. kind of web conference meeting so they can see if they're challenged by symptoms or something else. But, you know, we get a pretty good picture of what people are dealing with when they come in. It's pretty easy to assign a coach. So yeah, global, doesn't matter. Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, oh. I, I, I last, after I last talked to you, I kind of I went away going, really should do some more exercise. <laughs> Well, let me let me just mention that too, right? That this is not a program for people with Parkinson's. This is an exercise training program for anybody who wants to get stronger, feel better, right? So yeah. we have three constituencies, the Parkinson's thing I mentioned, the other neurological stuff I mentioned. Okay. But our third constituency is anybody who wants to exercise. We have some of the care partners come in, some just friends come in, mm. some people we know come in. Um, but fundamentally, we're calling that group Gen OW. You know, there was Gen X, Gen Y, baby boomers, yeah. silent generation. So, um, so we re we named our that constituency Gen O W for generation older, wiser. <laughs> so that's that's the constituency that. Oh I well, really that, love. I I like the wiser bit. I'm not too sure if I'm happy with the older bit. <laughs> well, yet, the older I'll... thing, the older thing is inevitable. The wiser thing uh, might be a choice, but <laughs> you know, so anybody who steps up and says, look. I don't have a solid exercise program and I don't know how to create one. Yeah. We take those clients in and you again, some, some of them stay for a short period of time and learn how to do it on their own. Some of them stay for a long time. They, cause they like guidance. Like, you know, I've been coached for well over 10 years now without a break by various coaches, depending upon what my bent is at the moment. And mm. um, I will, I am a hundred percent, more effective on the bike when someone tells me what to do who knows how to make me stronger so were you coached for this morning session you said you've yeah. been on the bike yeah this yeah no it was a ball buster it was and what did you, what, just give me some idea of what you've done in your sunny san diego i did uh six repeats on a, a local hill here going at basically my vo2 max 
you know, short, short efforts as hard as I can go. Okay. You know, scheduled, you know, high, higher, highest, high, higher, highest, and so on. So right. structured training. I know, I know the power numbers, the wattages. And I went out and I rode for an hour and a half doing hill repeats. Wow. So uh, I do that every day. I do something like that every day. And then, but the cool thing is she's brilliant. My coach, because right. we go to the limit and then we recover. We go to the limit and then we recover. Exercise doesn't make you stronger during the exercise. It makes you stronger in the recovery. Exercise on a very micro level injures the muscles. But yeah. when they heal, your body heals stronger, right? Mm -hmm. More capillaries, more blood volume, more mitochondria, stronger, better, bigger. So it's the, the recovery time is really important. So I generally do like a three-day hard block with a rest day or recovery day and then a moderate block and then a recovery day and then a hard block. And that's how we set up our, our clients and coach me strong also is, you know, we use that same model. We don't give somebody three days of strength training in a row no. because it just, it just breaks you down. Yeah. Variety is the spice of life, I suppose on that basis. <clears throat> Stru structured variety is the structured variety. <laughs> Land variety. Yes. Land variety. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for correcting my my <laughs> one of the glib analogies and phrases. Well, here. no, your 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 four hundred year old meme as we have to change it. <laughs> right? It's true it enough. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you we always fall back to these old wife tales or, or whatever we're allowed to call them nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, talking of of, of uh, things that we can do and uh, things that we should be doing. Um, what what would be if there was one thing you would get anybody or you would encourage anybody to do? What would it be? Well, um, you know, I mean, my life is is packaged around the bicycle, right? All yeah. the other things I do, you know, there's still an hour and a half or two hours a day where I'm on the bike. So, you know, all I can say to people is, at whatever level of fitness you have now, it can be better, it can be stronger, you can feel better. So you know, of course it's self-serving because I own the company that does this, but get a coach and get training. And, yeah. and if do it either to get daily guidance for a long period of time or do it to learn how to do it yourself. Both of those, both of those models are viable. Um, so you don't have to look at a long-term financial hit for no. months and months and months. Make a three-month commitment or a four-month commitment. Learn how to do this and then decide after three or four months if you want the monthly guidance for a long period of time, or if you've learned enough to do it on your own. Or if you need the accountability, then pay for the accountability. Yeah, I do. I do love that concept or the, the that side benefit, extra benefit of of being able to take a bit of the pressure off the carer. Yeah, the carer and the supporter and the one that's right next to them, having to badger them and releasing them from that pressure is must i can imagine that being absolutely amazing from a carer's perspective and and totally unexpected it was, it was and that's you know i think unexpected benefits are some of the most fun oh yeah company, yeah right? and they they're, they're they're a great selling point as well yeah. so <clears throat> have you got a recommendation that you would uh would poke us to you mentioned a book that you uh, said turned your life around or changed your life oh yeah i dug it out right before we started recording so this doesn't have anything to do well it does have to do with coach me strong but um many many years ago and i, I have it here um uh the the founder and the 
owner of the main media workshops gave all of his instructors this little book called Mastery by George Leonard. And it was written, I don't know how many years ago, 70s, in the 70s, I believe. But he talks about the master's journey. And there are, are many, many elements of that in this book that have, in various levels, changed my life. How we train, how we manage plateaus, all of that. Um, but really, the thing that I got out of that more than anything else was that the, the master's journey um, culminates with teaching, right? If you look at a journey in anything you're good at, be it business or mm -hmm. the bicycle or flying or scuba diving or filmmaking or the things I've done, you know, the process is discovery. Oh, that's cool. Some training. So you stay alive or stay uninjured. Practice. Now this practice could be three weeks or three decades, whatever. And then teaching. And yeah. the culmination of any journey, I think, is when you can teach it. Now, in the martial arts, they say when you get your black belt, that's the day you start learning. And I think it's the same thing. With any journey in any industry or any program or any anything you're doing, the day you start teaching is the day you start learning. You know, we have another saying that says when the student learns 10 things, the teacher learns 100. So... Um, this yeah. little book on mastery and a lot of the other work and research I've done over my life has really led me to a point where it's, it's the, it's the teaching that brings you to that point of such a deep understanding of something. I mean, I, I, all that years and years of teaching in the film industry just made me a better cinematographer, yeah. and a better director. All these years of teaching scuba made me a better scuba diver. The years of teaching flying made me a better pilot. The years of being coached on a bike oh, and on. helping others. You teach flying as well. Yeah, that's another piece, but. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, you you have a fair fun. bit of IP attached to. <laughs> well, I mean, these are hobbies that have turned into really, you know. You can, because you can teach, you're able to teach people. Yeah, and I and I take these journeys, uh, I take the journeys kind of seriously. It's like, yeah. if I'm going to get good at something, let me just get good at it. I don't really dabble, right? I mean, really, in my life, right? Filmmaking, flying, scuba, bicycle. Yeah. Right? It's been four things. I'm in my 60s. You know, it's not like I'm jack of everything, you know, master of nothing. It's like no. I've taken these four elements and really progressed them to a point where I feel very successful at them, right? I'm not currently flying, but I am currently racing my bike at the national level. So, you know, things go in and out. I get bored. I change things like that. But that journey that I've taken now four or maybe five times in my life yeah. has always culminated with teaching. It's not fully altruistic because I get so much back. You get, yeah. And I get that completely. Every time I, I learn something, I try and, you know, even in those, those small snippets is if you can, if you learn something, you, you, it set, settles in if you can teach it and explain it. And, and then you get that feedback, you get a niche feedback, you get that, you know, you get that perspective, that different point of view, that problem that you hadn't ever thought of or considered that you need yeah. to, to address. Now, as questions, such, questions come in from left field. You have no idea that that question either ever existed. No. But now, you know, with your level of experience through discovery training and practice, 
you get to figure out how to explain that to somebody, whatever that question is. Yeah. And you find out the road to that piece, right? That's, that's why teaching is so valuable because then you own that also. Yeah. You discover it, you own it. You know, we go back to the training cycle. We teach you how to present it so the student can retain it. And now all of a sudden you both win. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So Mastery um, is a book definitely to be. Uh, yeah. To be the author is George called. Leonard. George Leonard. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we'll put notes to that on the show page. Definitely. So just to top the show off, I just uh, in the last few minutes that we have on your busy day as you're starting it and I'm ending it. I've just got some facts or fakes to test you with. Okay. All in the Parkinson's uh, kind of arena. So is this a fact or a fake, Jeff? Under 15% of Parkinson's cases have a genetic link. The rest are all classified as sporadic. Is that a fact or a fake? Under 15%. Um, well, sporadic is, is see, there's, there's no simple answer to these. I think, it's no, probably, I think it's probably true with a caveat that sporadic is now being discovered they're they're just you know researchers yeah, are discovering finding. regions for parkinson's and a lot of it is environmental and things like that so i would say that that number is probably true but the terminology you're using is probably not true oh that came from parkinson's.org okay. <laughs> so that's the american i went for the american um yeah yeah no so i don't know if i'm right or wrong I'm no just, you're right you're right 15 percent. but it was quite interesting because part of one of the things when i had uh when my brother was diagnosed he's significantly older than me as i like to say he's 14 years older than me but uh you know you kind of go yeah, am i now lined up for that or is you know his sedentary way of work living what's caused that that issue and perhaps i should learn from that instead <laughs> there is so, a there, there is in california um a little band of parkinson's that is you know higher concentration and it's an agrarian area of california agrarian Oh, uh, agricultural. agricultural. So there yeah. is starting to now be some correlation between um, the the supporting chemicals and the poisons that we put on our food and our crops yeah. and Parkinson's. But this is very new research. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, and it's I, was, I saw something similar on Alzheimer's, which, of course, is another neurological disease, um, which is probably the only one I think was the only one killer was the only. Uh, it's the it's the only one that beats Parkinson's in terms of uh, of diagnoses and and um, those suffering from the condition. Number two, diagnosis of Parkinson's disease is usually made by a series of blood tests. Is that a fact or a fake? No, that's fake. It's usually made by symptom analysis and um, a thing called a DAT scan. Correct. Um, I was fascinated by this. Is there is no diagnostic test? You know, it is really a set of observations, and yeah. uh, and as you say, you know, some good tests, but over a period of time, to see how it's progressing as well. One uh, interesting piece of that is, you know, we all have dopamine in our brains, and that's what helps us move, and that's why you know, dopamine dopamine deficiencies cause the the movement disorder. Um, yeah. By the time obvious external symptoms of Parkinson's do show up, something yeah. like 80% of the usable dopamine in your brain has already died. Oh. So you're already way, this is why people, when they get diagnosed with Parkinson's, look back 10 years and say, oh, I had this and I had this, I lost my sense of smell and I was depressed, I had no idea why. And now I'm shaking and now all of a sudden, well, it's because 
the, you know, the, the dopamine has, the death of the dopamine neurons has progressed to this point. And this is why we want to get people exercising because that's what you find out so late in the process that we have to do whatever we can to protect people from getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. And the loss of uh, taste and smell is a fascinating thing as well. I didn't... Yeah. Smell. That's one of the first ones. Okay. Uh, final one then. You've already won. So this is just... Uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> there, are, there are just under half a million Americans and 5 million people worldwide living with Parkinson's disease. Is that a fact or a fake? I have no idea. No? Do you want to have a stab? I don't. Because it changes all the time. We know that the, di the diagnosis of Parkinson's of is increasing exponentially. So I don't know what the hard numbers are. And I can't yeah. even begin to guess. Okay. Um, what'd you say? 500,000? 500,000 Americans, half, 5 million people worldwide. Yeah, maybe. How about maybe? Maybe. I what, and I don't know okay. if anybody knows the numbers because so many people hide it, right? Well, and yeah, there, there is it, there is it, and it is a very round number. That the the fact that I got again off the um, one of the Parkinson's uh, org sites, that there are nearly one million Americans. So I, I halved the figure uh, that yeah. they that they quoted, and ten million people living worldwide with it, and they reckon around sixty thousand people in the u.s are diagnosed every year so that so, number we've heard as a viable number but we've also heard that that's going to increase uh, well if it, if there is any link to environmental conditions i'm sure that's um or it's you know environmental situations then that could definitely be the case as our environment's not getting any right. better and we're not getting much better at looking after our environment either no, except our population is living longer, so it gives the body more time to actually demonstrate these symptoms. Where that's you know, true when enough. We, yeah. When we all died at fifty-five, you might have had Parkinson's, but you know it didn't kill enough dopamine to actually get you shaking. No, so no. Know. I mean, I mean, those kind of numbers. You know, we we don't even know how many people have have Parkinson's in San Diego, and this. You know, I mean, uh, and I suppose that, that that's kind of in in truth. One, if people don't haven't come forward with diagnosis or they're hiding it, but then if they have been diagnosed, presumably that's where the Parkinson's organizations are getting their numbers from. Yeah, but that would suggest there's like one in 100 330 Well, you got three hundred thirty-one million people in in the in America. So, um, one in three hundred thirty-one people have got potentially got parkinson's presumably I wouldn't hesitate to say that's I, I wouldn't hesitate to say that's incorrect yeah well, it could be i mean that's just I, but, but I'm, i live in a world my gorilla maths at yeah. work that was more than anything i've i've got you know i live in a world where i have a hundred friends with parkinson's so I, what do i know i mean i'm my my vision of it is all skewed because i know so many uh, people with this disease but i also know you know athletes and people who are training and people with other neurological i mean i just we just know people right so yeah you know it, whoever's in your niche i i know you know 200 cyclists in san diego that's random yep it would be <laughs> you know? and I, I know i know none oh, i know one now yeah. oh, there you go <laughs> come on over we'll get you a bike uh, that'll be good fun maybe I, I might take you up on that when we're out, actually allowed to move between countries yeah um, no, and sure. yeah and and if i feel ecologically appropriate to do so as well maybe i'll swim there maybe not um yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh jeff it's been a delight talking to you very enlightening because uh, and and a shot in the arm for me to perhaps shake myself down and maybe i should uh, be looking at uh dibbing uh, dabbing into your services myself you know, i'll tell you i'll tell you russell what we tell everybody else right commit to three months 
right? Yeah. It's $49 to get going. It's $149 a month. You're talking under $500. Just commit to three months and try it and then and see how you do. Yeah. You know, yeah. is $500 worth feeling better, getting stronger or not? And, and, and longevity and, and healthiness, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever. And, you know, it, it, it's so interesting, right? When, when athletes get injured, they heal really fast. Right? Yeah. because the body supports a fit body really supports healing so the same thing is true when people get sick yeah athletes and recover quickly yeah can't uh, can't deny that logic at all so on that piece of encouragement i will thank <laughs> very much jeff for joining me on the green elephant show oh it's been awesome to be here great to talk with you russell we really hope that you found this insight into another better business, both informative and entertaining. So make sure you don't miss any of our other chats with other better businesses by subscribing to our podcast, available on all good providers, or on the Green Elephant YouTube channel. And please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions on the show, please do get in touch. You can email us, studio at greenelephant.show, or visit our website, greenelephant.show or find us across social at Green Join us next time, and we hope you have a sustainable week.